What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have none other than the only, the one and only, David Webb. How are you, brother? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing wonderfully well. Wonderfully well. We uh we met at KetoConf the first time in person. Similar to a lot of people I've had on the podcast recently. I feel like that's how I'm introducing all of these. Um, but you and I were the ones that were running. We got Brandon to run with us a couple of those mornings. But you were there. We were running every morning, waking up early, hitting the hitting the trails. I feel like we got a lot in common. The more we talked, the more I'm like, man, I got to get this guy on my show because I feel like we resonate on all the same things. So without further ado, man, bring me up to speed and any of the listeners up to speed on kind of your background story and what brought you into the keto space in the first place. Yeah, so um, tomorrow I turn 33. Uh, I've been in the military for uh, coming up on 12 years now. Um, I've had a, a history with um, my relationship with food, to say the least, uh, which has um, eventually uh, led me into um, keto. Um, initially, when I started keto, really, I was just trying to find another diet. And then... Uh, later, I found out that it really helped um, curb my cravings, and I wasn't craving like the foods on a standard uh, American diet that I had been craving before. And then, uh, so that led into you know really helping me with um, some some of those issues that I had uh, with eating. Um, on another another part of me, uh, you know. Growing up, I've always had uh, issues with um, body dysmorphia, and I never wanted to, you know, call it for what it was. Um, but uh, the more and more, you know, people started talking about it, um, I was really skeptical about sharing my story uh, a few months or about a month back um, on social media just because I wasn't sure um, how everyone would take it. Um, but it really helped to, you know, express, you know, what I had been through and uh, and being able to just let that that whole weight off of my shoulders. And uh, uh, so I've been doing keto for about two years now, uh, transitioned to more of a carnivore approach over the past uh, eight months, uh, but still have those uh, keto ish foods in there like the keto brick and and stuff. But uh, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> I want to dive into a lot of different directions here, man. As far as like the eating disorders and the body dysmorphia, that's like two things that you don't hear anybody really opening up about, um, but especially men. Like men go through it, but they never talk about it. And I don't like, what what was that like for you as a male talking about that? Like what were some of the, some of the initial thoughts? Yeah, it was extremely difficult. I mean, most of what I shared – I mean, people that the closest to me, like my family, um, my wife didn't really know how serious it was. Um, all my brothers and sisters, all nine of them, uh, they had no clue uh, really about it. And so I had really not talked to anyone about it before. Um, I really kept it just close hold, uh, did it behind doors so no one would find out. Uh, there was one person I, I talked about it and... Um, that was about it. So um, it was really hard uh, getting on social media and letting that out. Obviously, your initial reaction is 
are people going to think that we should feel sorry for you? Um, and that was one of the main reasons that um, I was so hesitant is because that's not how I wanted people to feel uh, whatsoever. Um, I wasn't asking for sympathy or anything, but I really felt um, that it was just something I needed to share. And it was after uh, Jonathan Shane had uh, done one of his um, posts um, about it and about the fact that men do struggle with it that really um, spurred me to to share it. Yeah, it's 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 kind of liberating, man. Like you, like when I shared my story about it all, it was it was like a huge weight was lifted. And again, I didn't want any you know sympathy either. I didn't want people to feel sorry for me, but it's kind of like with anything in life, when you're going through something hard, you tend to internalize it and then it just festers within you. Whereas if you just open up and talk about it, just simply the act of sharing that information is, is very therapeutic in itself. Oh, totally agree. Um, it was extremely therapeutic to just let it out. And uh, the amount of support that I did get from everybody, like, it was beyond um, what I imagined. And and then you find individuals that you feel like you can lean on, um, especially the ones that have gone through the same thing. But even just other individuals that um, are out there that are willing to talk about it. And, and so if you feel vulnerable at any time, like, you know, those specific individuals that you can lean on and, and trust that, you know, they're going to be there not only to listen, um, but to help you through it and um, give you advice and not judge you in the process. I want to I want to kind of dig deep, man, and, and figure out, in your opinion, what it is that even causes this, because I, I feel like it's going to be somewhat individualized, like everybody's going to have different um, you know, situations in their life that trigger like eating disorders and body dysmorphia, but there's got to be some degree of... Uh, you know, commonality between them all. So in your, in your eyes, what triggered all this in the beginning? How young were you? You know, what, what happened that led to this? So going way back growing up, um, we didn't have a lot of money and I know, and we weren't sure we were going to have food on the table at times. Um, and my family used to always joke around with me and make fun of me because they called me the food monitor because we had specific food that was for lunches that we could bring to school or whatnot. And I was always the one like calling my brothers and sisters out if they were eating that food and we weren't at school. And um, so I'm sure that was an underlining factor eventually. Um, and it had to do just with control. Um, but in 2007, I competed in a bodybuilding competition. And during that time, I mean, this was way before people were counting macros and everything. Um, I, everything was based on like serving sizes, right? It was one chicken breast, no matter if it was eight ounces, six ounces, you know, it was a full cup of rice um, or whatever. And you just decreased what you're eating over the period of the day. You went to a half a cup or three quarters of a cup of rice, then a half a cup down to a quarter cup or whatever, and then down to, to none. Um, and during that time, I mentally, I looked at food as either good or bad. So everything that was on my bodybuilding, quote unquote, diet, I looked at food as this is good food. And everything that wasn't a part of it, I looked at it as bad food. So even if I went out to a restaurant, 
it was um I would I would look at the menu and I would just think to myself like am I going to eat good today or am I going to eat bad today and the times I decided to quote unquote eat bad it would just trigger something mentally where you know the rest of the day like I've already screwed up once I'm going to just eat whatever for the rest of the day and then later on it turned into uh you're gonna we're gonna have a cheat day, cheat day so me and my workout partner we would plan on a wednesday what we were gonna do on saturday and literally we would go to every like every restaurant that we planned ate ate until like 11 59 at night and made sure that the food was out like swallowed by midnight and then we were like oh we're not going to do this again and then by wednesday we're planning the next weekend again and so that started the whole overeating um issues and stuff um and then you know fast forward a little bit you know that continued um at the different bases i was at uh went overseas to interlick turkey and um i just found myself in the chow hall late at night just eating whatever i would go to the gas station eat a bunch of food get a bunch of food bring it back to my room and i would literally just lie in bed and I wouldn't even have the ability to like get up and throw the wrappers away because I was so overly stuffed. Um, I mean, when I got back to the States, I, it was so bad that like my, uh, my bank would call me and be like, Oh, we have all these transactions at these restaurants within 20 minutes of each other. And we just want to make sure it's not fraud. And I'm sitting there like, no, that that's me. But wow. um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I would, I would, it was literally this road full of fast food restaurants. I would go in each one and get whatever I had been craving that week because, you know, I was strict during the week and then I would just get whatever I wanted, like during the week and try to rid myself of all cravings. Um, so that's where all the, I mean, the binging started and stuff. And there was one night specifically that I remember that. My buddies had challenged me to eat like a few dozen cookies and I did it and we had to go to work that night. Normally I would just go to bed. We had to go to work and I felt extremely sick, like I was going to throw up, like I had to throw up to make myself feel better. And so I went up in a bathroom that was, it was in a church. Um, they had a, the daycare was on top of the the bar that I worked at. And I was up there probably an hour and made myself uh, throw up probably 25, 30 times. And I came out mm -hmm. of there, I came out of there and it was like, I hadn't eaten anything that day. Like my abs were back. I felt fine. I didn't feel sick anymore. And that's where it triggered my mind. Like, look, I can eat all the food I want and then just get rid of it. And it will be like, I didn't do it again. And I mean, I looked up online, like how long does it take for your body to process the calories? Uh, I think at the time when I was looking at it, it was like 45 minutes. So I had to plan out like, okay, I have to get rid of this food within 45 minutes. Um, and most of those calories aren't going to really set me back at all. Um, and then I would go home. I would weigh myself. I knew what I weighed that morning. And I would weigh myself until I got back to that weight that I was that morning. And then I would weigh, if I 
I, I mean, I used to throw up in the, in the bathroom, but then I started doing the, uh, a trash can and I would weigh the trash can and make sure that whatever the scale said I lost, that the trash can, the trash said the exact same thing. Um, and I would just do it behind like my wife, my, my, my wife's back when I, I mean, she didn't know. Um, so that's, that's when it, it got really bad, really bad for me. And that was probably that's crazy, man. Yeah, up until 2013. Um, between 2011 and 2013 was probably the the worst time uh, for me as far as that went. And during that time, I mean, you're basically purging that whole two year window. Yeah. So yeah, it was pretty much um, once once a week. Um, sometimes you know two if it happened on Saturday and Sunday, and then. I would just be extremely strict during the week. Um, and then obviously killing myself with cardio and, and working out to make sure that it didn't affect me anymore. Do you think the, um, this was amplified after that first competition you did in 2007? For sure. Um, and I don't know what happened. I mean, cause from the outside looking in, my family and friends, everyone thought I was this extremely disciplined guy that was extremely strict with his diet. I mean, I brought my six pack bags everywhere I went. I ate every two hours. Um, I took my casing shake at night or cottage cheese at night for slow digesting protein. Took my whey isolate right after my workout with carbs, like in the gym. Um, I would set a protein shake on my toilet to wake up in the middle of the night, drink a shake. So um, I was constantly getting that protein synthesis. And um, and then from there, like, that's when I just uh, looked at food, like either, you know, it's good or bad. And, and if I'm going to eat bad, then, uh, you know, it's ruined and I'm just going to continue eating. Um, and so for sure, the body mode competition um, really was probably the thing that, you know, spurred everything um, and where it went eventually. It's crazy, man. Like that, because I did my first competition in 2012. And this whole time, like I started lifting, uh, let's see here, that would have been, I was a sophomore in college. So right around that 2007, 2008, 2009, year mark you know that's when I was really getting deep into it uh, at the onset and I feel like you and I were both probably getting and consuming a lot of the same information you know like you got to eat every two hours you have to wake up in the middle of the night and have some kind of protein to stimulate the protein synthesis you have to have the casein for the slow digestion like everything you've just said is the same stuff that I recall reading and hearing about and that's what I would try and you know factor into my diet and it's funny hearing you talk about this because it's like I I mean, it's like I'm talking to myself because I was doing those exact same things and then all of that negativity kind of like just really compounded. I mean, I was just super hard on myself just as you were. And it's interesting, man. Like, I wonder if people that are going through like a prep or like a bodybuilding, you know, phase now are trying to, you know, get out there and improve their composition. I wonder if the information is different so much so that they're just able to bypass all of this bad information because the advice that we were fed when we were doing this is just so far from reality and far from the truth. 
Oh, for sure. Um, I totally agree. I mean, I bought every single magazine you could think of. Flex, muscle and fitness, muscle development. Um, I would try to mimic those diets. And, you know, typically it's for a 180-pound guy. So I was like, perfect. That's what I I was around. And then if it wasn't in there, then I probably wasn't eating it. And, yeah, I, I figured that. I mean, that's how it had to be. That I, And I had to be so extremely strict and hard on myself to make sure that you know i had the best possible um possible outcome in the end um and then even even after the show like that rebound like i was 20 pounds heavier in like three days um because i just that's the worst feeling man like that happened to me too and like (laughs) it's like the worst feeling because you just feel like you've thrown everything you've done out the window oh yeah for sure Oh, it's miserable. It's miserable. But like, it's interesting, man, because I feel like a lot of people do these exact same things. Like I talk to other competitors and I get them to open up about this and they all do the same thing. They all say the same thing. And it's like, nobody is, uh, you know, like open to the public about this, but I feel like, you know, you sharing your story is like the best thing for anybody that's going down that path to, you know, correct course and get things under control because it is not living when your entire life and existence is consumed by the food you eat. Like that is just so far removed from how life is supposed to be. Oh, true. I mean, I literally, I, I had timers on my phone, multiple timers. Like I, I think it would just tell me like it would ping. It was just an alarm or whatever. And be like, oh, time to eat. And I, I literally would just like almost freak out when I wasn't eating every two to three hours like mentally I was like I'm losing muscle I need to eat I would get angry I wasn't fun to be around and uh because I thought that's how it was I thought I was losing muscle if I wasn't eating that often and I felt like I was losing muscle if I didn't take a protein shake and carbs immediately following my workout and it was just a constant battle mentally um, the entire time. And it's so unpractical and, and not sustainable, man. I mean, like I was, I was in college when I was going through my first prep and I would literally, you know, prep on my meals. I'd have six or seven Tupperwares a day. Um, you know, the same kind of food in the Tupperwares. I'd have to carry those around with me everywhere, microwave them. I'd have to leave. Like there was so many times in college when I would literally leave the middle of an exam, you know, final exam, I would walk out of the room to go warm up my food because that two hour mark hit and I would eat it as fast as I could so that I can get back in time to finish the exam. And there'd be times where I'd like not even be able to finish the exam because I put, you know, getting that meal in as a higher priority than finishing the final exam. Oh yeah, for sure. And for me, it was was at work and I was in a Humvee out in the middle of nowhere. And so sometimes I was eating it cold, but if I could make it back to, you know, where the armory was and, and heat it up, I would. Um, but yeah, it was just a, a constant, constant battle with that. Um, just cause I thought that's how it used to be, how it had to be. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I struggled a little bit with the purging myself. I didn't do it a lot, but I, I did it. Um, there's a stint there where I was doing that on a pretty regular basis, but 
doing it for two years, pretty much every single week, like you said, did you notice any kind of, uh, you know, like irritation to your esophagus or anything? Did you start picking up any, any issues that you're like, okay, this is, I got to tap the brakes on this because this is not healthy physically. Like I'm seeing damage from it. No, I, I didn't. Um, and I, I wouldn't say it was every weekend, but cause I, I would be like, Oh, I'm not going to do this again. Um, and you know, maybe it would go like a couple weeks, but it was happening more, more often than, than it was not. And I guess the biggest thing for me was, um, what you could see around my eyes. Um, and it would be like, not at my eyeball, but like under my eyebrow and stuff, it would all be like bloodshot, like kind of like when you're squatting heavy and you get all the blood vessels, like in your traps and stuff. Mm. Um, it would be like Just from that. Curling. Yeah. And uh so sometimes like if I was training early in the morning if I was out, like people would ask me, like, Are you okay? And I'd be like, Oh, I'm I'm just sick. Um but that was the biggest thing, but nothing no real issues with my esophagus or anything um that I ever I ever found. I mean, I, I guess I read all about all of that. So I was, you know, always like looking for it um obviously the next day you feel dehydrated you would have a sore throat um from time to time but that was about it how did your how did your wife find out like how how did you know when people first started finding out like how'd that go down so my wife found out so she didn't find out how bad it was but she knew that if I had eaten like a whole bunch or whatever. And I had binged like, I wouldn't even let her like touch me. Like it, I couldn't, like it was hard to sleep. I couldn't have the weight of her arm, like even on me, um, like in bed or whatnot. And with the purging, I, I think she, honestly, I don't think she ever really knew that I was making myself purge. I think it was more, I had eaten too much and I just from eating too much, like I, I had to throw up and it just happened. Mm -hmm. Um, she knew for about the binging and stuff because most of the food in our cabinet and pantry was hers. If it was at home and I would literally, instead of getting rid of food, I would literally eat all of it. Like any cookies, candy, popcorn, I mean, you name it, cereal, I would just rid the cabinet of it and she'd wake up in the morning because I would do it after she went to bed and then she would see like all of this food is gone and she'd be like, what'd you do? And I'm like, I was hungry. So And it's so crazy, man, because like it all stems back to uh, like your mind. There's like a, I don't know the exact... Uh, chemical imbalances and whatnot, but it has to do with your leptin and ghrelin level. It has to do with like just your m mindset and everything towards the food. But you start going on a binge and literally no nothing is safe. Like you can eat, you can put down so much food. Like it blows my mind. Like I can't imagine eating that much food now. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, I got to be honest, you know, it, it's happened while I've been on keto and I chose to like, have something around a special occasion and it's happened and the one good thing is i don't know if my stomach has shrunk but i can't eat as much as i used to 
um, like I did before, but um, probably just because I don't eat as much. Um, I, obviously, you're not having carbs like expand and stuff, and uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean the amount of food I would I would eat like I'm talking like multiple meals at like six or seven different fast foods, and I would just literally stop in the parking lot. I would go through the drive-through, stop, eat it, go drive to the next one, stop, eat it, drive to the next one. And then I would, I would, I would always end on like dessert or something because that would like cap it off and it would make me, it, it would come to the point where like, it, it wasn't even hard to like make your, make myself purge. Like the moment something touched like the back of my throat, like it was coming out. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's sad that, I don't know, man, like I, I know exactly how you felt in doing that. And it's like, you, you know, you're doing something wrong in the moment. Like you recognize that, Hey, this is not normal. I shouldn't be doing this, but it's like you crave it. It's the weirdest sensation ever. Oh, for sure. And, and even, and you're, you're full. It's not like you're, it, it's like you can eat anymore, but mentally you're like oh this is gonna be the last time i mean at least for me this is gonna be the last time i'm gonna do it so i'm getting everything that i haven't had in forever i'm gonna eat it and then i'll be good again do you feel like the the eating disorders and the body dysmorphia kind of went hand in hand or was the eating disorders kind of like the first thing that happened and then the body dysmorphia followed uh, afterwards I think kind of hand in hand and that's one of the first reasons why I ever did the bodybuilding competition is because growing up um, I was made fun of by people that are close to me that and I was overweight and that got me into training in the first place like I'm gonna prove these people wrong and then I'm gonna do a bodybuilding show and prove these people wrong um, and then after the bodybuilding show like obviously that conditioning is not sustainable. I mean, I was doing hydrostatic weighing at the time because they didn't have DEXA scan mm -hmm. or anything. And I was down to like 3.2% uh, uh, with the hydrostatic weighing. And obviously that's not sustainable, but afterwards, like, and then after I, I had the huge rebound, like it was like I was trying to get back to where, where or close to where I was like for a competition. Um, and if I wasn't anywhere close to that, like it was very hard for me to, you know, accept compliments from anyone. I mean, and obviously later on when I got, got married, like it's taken a very, um, long time to even like tell my wife, thank you. Like if I don't think I'm lean enough, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, no, I'm not. So don't tell me that. Or um even when i i am leaner like i would still like it'd be hard to like take my shirt off at pools and um at the beach i hated going to the beach the pool or anything anywhere i had to have my shirt off um to the point where like it affected like my relationship with my kids and stuff like i mean they're six and one just turned four but i wouldn't even go like in the pool with them or like at the beach i wouldn't even go like actually in the water, I, I mean, I mean, I would have my, I would go in with my feet, but that's about it. Like, 
and all they wanted to do was just play with me in the water and I was so mentally I was just so like in a bad place that like I thought everyone was like judging me and how I looked and um and even if I everyone else like thought I didn't look bad or whatnot um I was always thinking like what's this person thinking um and whatnot that's the weirdest thing man like I'm it's funny that we both you know, put so much importance on what people thought. Like I used to assume that people were judging me, you know, like judging me as a bodybuilder, judging me as a human. Like I just assumed that people were analyzing every body part. Like I literally wore long sleeve button up shirts the last two years of my high school career because I didn't want anybody to see me. I, I went to a, a lake house party one year and I swam in the lake because they just forced me to basically. But I swam with long sleeves and sweatpants on like who the hell does that and I was in high school it's like people don't care what you look like but you you place the significance on it and you just assume that everybody cares and I don't know why that happens like I don't know why we assume that but it's the weirdest thing oh for sure and you know for me Robert I I guess everyone saw like quote-unquote how disciplined I was that I was training so much in the gym that I was, you know, doing so much cardio. And if that wasn't translating into what I felt that they thought that my physique should look like, like, cause obviously you want, you want, if you're doing all that, you think, you know, your physique should portray all the work you're putting into it. And if it's not, mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing for me is, they're going to judge me not only how I look, but you're killing yourself in the gym and with your diet and it's not doing anything. Um, and, and even if it was, even if, I mean, even if like people always say you're probably fitter than, you know, 95% of the world out there or whatnot, but like each individual person, like, you know, maybe they had a, a crappy diet or whatever. And maybe they weren't spending as much time in the gym, but they had a better physique, you know? Like, and that's, that's really the kind of things point, I, I thought about. That's a really good point. I feel like, you know, for right or wrong, I feel like you and I both had this um, uh, self-image of ourselves, and then also like this, this, how we defined ourselves, basically. Like we both trained hard we had we're on top of our nutrition super disciplined about it so like we defined ourselves as that we would you know associate ourselves with our peers as like the fit one and when you do that you develop this mental image of what that should encompass like what that should be portrayed as and if you don't feel like you live up to that whether anybody else does or not but if you don't feel like you live up to that then you automatically consider yourself a failure and if your self-image is not what you physically look like it's like you have no no value because what you're claiming yourself to be is not what other people are seeing and there's like a disconnect there oh for sure yeah i totally agree with you so what about um like how how did you get through that man like for me 
I was able to, I think for a lot of people, you have to have something that you're excited about, like some kind of pivotal shift, whether it be like in your nutrition or your training, like something to get behind that gets you excited about change and motivates you to stick to something different. And for me, like bouncing back and forth with all the different diets um, and then kind of finding keto by accident was like so much of a like groundbreaking 180 degree shift from what I was familiar with that I was able to get excited about that and fixate on that more than all the negative uh, feedback loops that I was currently trapped in. What do you think your pivotal moment was? Honestly, it was, it was probably, you know, about two years ago when I was training at Super Training Gym. Um, I was living out in Sacramento and I had seen Mark uh, Bell do the keto diet and Chris Bell and uh, Chris Bell was visiting and I just asked him like about the keto diet and he's like, or read keto clarity. So I got on audible um, and started listening to it. And I mean, I've tried every diet out there that you can name up until the last one I did was probably uh, flexible dieting. And, um, and then I did uh stand efforting vertical diet and stuff, but even with the flexible dieting, as far as the food went, like, okay, I could, I thought I could, you know, eat whatever I want and just track it, um, reach my goals. But I did it at a, to a point where I had to get zero, zero, zero left of fat, protein and carb. Yeah. And if I went over it, like that would, it would be me losing control and I would go off the deep end. And literally, like, if it meant I was eat, I was having one almond to get, like, a gram and a half of fat, like, I would do that or or whatever. I mean, and the servings of everything was, like, totally random trying to, like, get exactly to zero those out. And I would spend literally two, three, four hours a day figuring out what food I had at the house, what I needed to get to, like, reach those macros. But anyways, back to keto. Um, I started that and I really started it just to like try another diet and I didn't know what was going to happen. I had seen what happened with Mark, you know, I saw him at, um, you know, not as heaviest, but in between, um, where he had been and where he is now. And I was like, I, I want to do that. So I started, I bought all the, every single keto thing you could think of, like MCT oil, all the snacks um cookbooks everything and as the weeks went on and I was doing this like I first started realizing that I didn't crave any sweets so like I wasn't eating a bunch of the like keto bars or anything I didn't make anything out of um the keto fat bomb book and and then when people started bringing food around work like pizza and um or whatever like it just wasn't appealing to me. And that's when I was like, you know, this is something that I could really do. And obviously I felt all the benefits of like, I've had really bad shoulder pain for a while now. And that all went, went, went away. Um, like all the inflammation and whatnot, um, obviously, you know, better mental clarity and, and less digestion issues and whatnot. And, um, so that's when I really went uh, full force. And I obviously I started dropping body weight 
um, I got, you know, fairly lean and I felt good and, and training started picking back up and my strength started coming back up. And that was probably the biggest, like, you know, pivotal point. And the fact that I had two, two guys that I really looked up to, um, that were in my corner, even though that they said that, you know, why you want to, why do you want to do it? You're already fairly lean. Like in my head, I'm thinking, no, I'm not. Um, I want to try something new. Uh, that was, that was hugely important to me and, and knowing that they were doing it alongside of me, um, initially, um, uh, was for me, like all the motivation I needed, uh, to continue with it. And so, yeah, I would say that was probably the biggest like pivotal moment. Um, then I think so much of it is like the sense of community. I mean, like when you're doing something that the majority of the people out there are saying can't be done. I mean, it's, it's kind of like you feel compelled to prove them wrong, like you were saying earlier. So like it's, you know, and most people are saying you can't sustain keto long term, but then you've got this really core group of people that are, you know, keto advocates that are doing it long term and seeing amazing results with it. It's like you want to be a part of that minority. Like that's exciting. But then like on a biological level, I think simply taking away all the crazy blood sugar spikes and insulin peaks and valleys you you just get so much more in tune with your body and you actually recognize what true hunger is, what true satiety is, and then you don't go off the rails binging and purging. At least that's what it, what I noticed personally. I mean, I feel like as soon as I switched over to keto and got, you know, somewhat adapted, I was able to just know what was good and what was bad for my body and I didn't feel like I needed to deviate from that. For sure. And that's when I really started paying attention, like how I felt, like when I ate certain foods and whatnot. Um, and I realized that, you know, when I was doing the standard bodybuilding, bro diet, whatever you want to call it, um, I, I had horrible digestion issues. And later found out, like, when I really started paying attention, like how food made me feel, um, I was able to like eliminate those foods to just ensure I was optimally feeling my best and performing at my best um, all the time. And during that time, like as far as um, with keto and whatnot, like, yeah, people told me that I wasn't going to be able to um, gain strength or be able to run as much as I was. And once you become fat adapted and, um, I never experienced the keto flu or withdrawal from carbs or anything. I just made sure to keep my electrolytes up and have a lot of salt. Um, but I was able to run further and, and do all that, like more so than I, I was able to, uh, to before, uh, with carbs. Yeah. I think, I think that's the coolest thing, man. Like you're, you're getting constantly just told by everybody that, your your performance is going to suffer. It's not sustainable. You can't eat that way. And then to have all the exact opposite things happen for the better, that in itself is, is pretty motivating. But then, like, for me, like, if none of that happened, if my performance suffered, if my strength went down, if all that just went down the tubes, but I was able to get control of the, the eating disorders that I was suffering from, that alone would be enough for me to stay keto. And I feel like, you know, that had such a comp, like a, just a, a massive impact on my ability to step away from those eating disorders 
that any of the other stuff was just such a such a you know bonus. Oh, totally agree. And I, I mean, it has like truly changed my life, like doing keto and and carnivore. Um, I knew that I needed to make a change because I didn't want I don't want my kids growing up with the same issues that I had. Um. And I kind of explained the story when I did that post, but like I was with my daughter, I had been binging and we were in the airport and I had to throw up. I told my daughter I didn't feel good. She was like four or three. And so I went in the bathroom, I made her turn around. I made myself throw up until I felt better and, and we left. Um, and I just told her like, daddy didn't feel very good. Um, so I had to throw up. Um, and literally we were there like, 10 months to a year later, walked by the same bathroom. And she said, Daddy, if you're feeling sick, um, you can go throw up. And I was, that's when like my heart dropped. And I was like, I need to make a change. Like I cannot continue going down this road. And I especially cannot do it where to the point that like my kid that's not even five and not even four yet, like, is realizing like what's happening and remembers like the fact she remembered that and she was barely she wasn't even four yet like it just shocked me yeah that's crazy man i feel like you know when you have eating disorders when you have body dysmorphia it's it's such an internal conflict i mean it's like it's it's not it, it may be triggered by things that are outside your control like other people things they say your surroundings, et cetera, et cetera. But it's it's an internal battle. I mean, you're the one judging yourself. You're the one actually, you know, eating the food. So it's kind of selfish in that sense. Like it's it's a I don't know if I want to call it a disease, but it's like this disorder, obviously. But it's like almost self imposed. But when you see how it can negatively impact others, like I assume it must feel when like your kids pick up on it. And that's when it's like, okay, this is something that is not just impacting me. Because when it's just you, like when you keep it a secret, when you don't tell anybody and you feel like you're the only one dealing with it, it's like easier to keep doing it because it's like you don't feel guilty for others. But I can imagine like your daughter noticing that it's like, okay, this is a wake-up call because this is having a negative impact on people that I care about. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, when you're doing it, behind closed doors and no one knows and everyone else thinks that you're this super disciplined guy um that does everything perfectly as far as with diet and is so strong like not diving in and eating stuff that we thought we shouldn't eat um yeah it was so easy to do but once you realize like it's affecting other people um, and I mean, I, it was affecting my kids and then eventually or before that, my wife, like I, the nights I would do it, like I would either sleep in another room or like, would just tell her to like, not touch me, like lay on the other side. I don't feel good. I just need to go to sleep. And then when you're upset at yourself, cause obviously you're, you're not happy that you just did what you did. You almost Mm -hmm. like you take it out on other people and it affects how you interact with other people. Like, especially if you're in the moment 
Um, like I would tell my wife, like, if you see me like overeating, tell me to stop. And then it would always cause an argument because I would always be like, I'm not overeating. I'm hungry. I just want more food. But deep down, you know that that's what's happening and they're calling you out on it. That even if you ask them to do so, you're still, you're convicted at that point. And it's almost, you have to go back like, and try to like justify what's happening um so yeah what do you think has changed i mean like now that you're i mean have you would you say totally recovered from that or you kind of mentioned that this is still something you might struggle with occasionally still yeah i i definitely wouldn't say um i'm 100 percent over it um mentally it's still I still think about it like if I'm going to what's going to happen if I choose to have this cake at my kid's birthday or whatnot. Like I think about that very often Um, and not just at my kid's birthday at social gatherings or or whatever. If you're in a place that, you know, they don't have keto or carnivore foods or or whatever, like I think about it often like I because I don't know what's going to happen and I still feel like it definitely can still happen and and it has like I it has like I choose to do something and then all those cravings go back and then you know it happens but I've been able to you know pick myself up a lot quicker afterwards than I did before and the fact that it doesn't happen not even close to like what when it did before like you know, gives me hope that I can continue working at it and and, and moving past it. Um, and I think that's what's the most important thing. Like, um, eventually I'll be able to conquer it and be and be comfortable with it. Um, but right now, I, I wouldn't say that you know I'm 100% uh, recovered. Do you feel like? Um... Like we we had said earlier that you know like if you identify as being like the fit guy and you're super disciplined with your training and nutrition, and you personally feel like you're not living up to that, you're you have this you know skewed self image of yourself, and you don't like you basically feel like you're worthless almost, and you're like a fraud in a sense. And I feel like that's one of the big triggers for like the the body dysmorphia. Do you feel like since you kind of have identified as a carnivore? like within the keto space, for instance, that if you ever eat anything that's obviously not keto or carnivore, like similar, like you feel like a fraud in a sense and that has like a downward spiral or do you notice that at all? I would, I, I would say so. Um, and you know, a lot of people that are within the community, if, if they decide to eat something not a part of, you know, those diets, Nine times out of ten, it's probably not going to be posted on social media uh, yeah, because true. of that fear that you know someone's going to call you out um, and say something. But even the even the people that do like say, "Oh, I chose to enjoy this today." Like a lot of most of the people don't care if they're if they're following you, and at least at least for the people that interact with you. Um, most of them are just gonna, you know, tell you to like 
get back to it and you got this or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, think about that as well. Like if I choose to do this, you know, am I going to let people know that this happened? Am I going to post about it or should I just keep it under wraps and have social media think that, you know, I'm hundred percent good and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I feel like people, I don't know, man, I feel like people respect you so much more when you're open and honest with them. I mean, people, people recognize sincerity. They recognize authenticity. And if you're putting yourself out there as a human, because we all are, we all make mistakes, I feel like that speaks so much more volume. And, like, I I don't ever want to put a label on anybody. Like, I would never, you know, like some people identify as carnivore or whatever. Like, if you breach that, that doesn't mean you're less of a person. It means you're more of a person if you can be honest about it, you know? Um, and I think the same is true with like the eating disorders, like people that have the eating disorders talking about that and just sharing what actually is and what actually happened. That's like the, the best way to recover and get beyond that, you know? Yeah, I totally, totally agree with you there. Um, you know, people want to see you for who you are and, and even like, just like meeting up at KetoCon with everybody um, that you've interacted with on social media and stuff, like you can tell pretty quickly if that person's different in real life than than what they portray themselves on social media. Um, and it and at that point, just a turn off. Um, yeah, because you want to in, involve yourself and associate yourself with people that are real and that aren't putting up just for people to see and hopefully like um so yeah i i totally agree with you you there and i think and i think that it's important to you know be yourself and you know because people are probably going through the same issues that you're going through and People are probably struggling with the same struggles that uh, you struggle with. And a lot of times, if you can be the one to just step up and share it, it's going to give them that much more courage to do the same thing. And you could really 100%. help someone out in, in that manner um, because you don't know how how damaging those things could be for them. And if you just opening up, could even save their life like and what they're going through like it's all worth it totally agree man like nothing is is better than to you know meet somebody or interact with somebody that's that's gone through something similar to what you have and then be able to offer some kind of advice or just simply camaraderie like simply just offer the fact that hey look i understand where you're coming from i mean there's so much value in just that alone that that can never be taken for granted. I mean, I, I've interacted with you on social media. I've run with you twice in Austin and I feel like I know you more now after this podcast and simply hearing what you've had to say about this and kind of the same things that you've done are saying the same things that I've done. I mean, I feel like we've shared a lot of the same mindset towards things because we've, done so many of the same things as it relates to body dysmorphia and eating disorders and 
when you have that similar foundation with somebody, that similar background, it's like you can appreciate where they've been because you understand it and you can respect and admire and sympathize with what they've done and gone through to get to where they are currently and you become excited about where they're going. I mean, I look at you and what all you've been able to get through and accomplish and like I'm proud of you, man. Like I'm proud to see you overcoming these obstacles and growing as a person and being stronger because of it. Like I'm glad that you've had to go through it all because you've got this sense of resiliency now and just, you know, appreciation for life that I doubt you would have ever had had you not. But to see you improve from it and grow from it and then have the courage to share it so that you can help others that may be going through something similar is very respectable, man. So I appreciate you doing what you're doing. I really appreciate that, man. And even like when I watch your um, your series about you, part one and part two, like a few weeks ago, um, I mean, I, I've watched hundreds of videos and I, I don't know how I missed those, but like I went back and they popped up like and I just watched them. And I was like, man, like everything this you went through, um, like I could relate with with a lot of it and and knowing that you like were able to move past those things and to be where you are at right now like it gave me it gave me so much motivation that you know I can do it too and that's for that goes for a lot of people like on on social media that um I've interacted with like seeing what other people go through and sometimes probably worse than you did and knowing that they've been able to come out a bit on top like it's just it's inspiring every day and like coming back from KetoCon and meeting everyone like in person that I did um it really just like let a fire under me to that I can continue to improve um on this journey like it's a marathon it's not a sprint and if I can wake up each day and, and do something to improve myself or improve my past struggles, then, you know, that's all the motivation I need to keep going. 100%, man. And I don't know if I'm qualified to give advice by any means, but I feel like I've really, I mean, I feel confident in saying that I've pretty much totally healed from all of my eating disorders and body dysmorphia. Yeah, I always want to improve upon where I'm currently at, but I feel like so much better than I did. And I know you've come light years from where you were, but like know that if you ever need to just like call me up and be like, hey, bro, there's something going on right now. Just want to vent about it and talk about it. I mean, like know that you can call me up and we could just, you know, have that camaraderie because I mean, anything I could do, I want to do it because I care about you. Thanks, man. That That really means a lot. I really appreciate that. Ooh, it's getting deep, man. It's like we're not even podcasting anymore. We're just having a conversation. <laughs> I know, right? That's crazy. Well, shoot, brother. I mean, I, I definitely want to get you up here to the compound. I want to get you down to the farm and go hunting, take you hunting. Um, I respect you a lot as a person. I respect what you're what you're doing in the space and just you know your trajectory as a whole. Um, I feel like anybody would be better for hearing your story, following you, interacting with you and learned about you. So where can people go to find out more about you? 
So I'm most active on Instagram and um, Instagram name is DJ underscore carnivore keto. And I keep keto on there because I do enjoy keto bricks, avocados from time to time, olive oil. And if I'm at a really nice restaurant, I'll probably get a Caesar salad as long as it's creamy dressing and no croutons. Yeah, yeah, there you go. No croutons. Awesome, man. Well, I'll certainly link out to that so people can find you on Instagram. But uh, yeah, man, let's keep in touch for sure. I want to get you up here to the compound, like I said, and we'll get something in the works for hunting season. But I appreciate you jumping on the podcast here, man. I feel like it takes a lot to just throw yourself out there and be brutally honest with the struggles you've had, especially as a man. You know, like I feel like it's like men have this image of themselves as supposing to be the the leader in the rock. And that is very true. Like I, I think that's my responsibility. Like I need to be that for the people that rely upon me. But I feel like there's a lot to be said for being transparent, being authentic and being vulnerable in a sense and just like telling how it is. It makes you much more relatable because nobody's perfect and we all have so much to learn from our own missteps and mistakes, but those of others. So I appreciate you jumping on here and just putting it all out there, man. That means a lot. Yeah, man, it was a truly an honor to be on your podcast and I, I really appreciate you reaching out and asking me to be on it. hundred percent, man. Anytime. And like I said, anytime you ever need to just chit chat or whatever, you got my number. Don't ever hesitate to give me a call, brother. Sounds good, man. All right. Take care, David.